Welcome along to the very latest Forever Blue podcast. I'm Ian Cheeseman. Thanks very much for your company. Today we're going to be talking about the forthcoming Premier League season, of course, because it's only, as we speak now, only a few days till the game at West Ham. But we'll also be looking back at the game that's already been played, which is or isn't, which depends on which way you look at it, pre-season. And that, of course, is the Community Shield, which City won on penalties. Uh, and we'll talk about one or two other subjects as well. I'd very much like to thank the new sponsor of the podcast, which is Charles Louis Homes and Mortgages. And they offer a wealth of experience in the property and finance market, helping people worldwide to buy, sell and finance land and property throughout the UK. Uh, David, who's, who's the supporter, who's come to me to help us with the podcast, is a City fan as well, by the way, so not shocking that. So if you want to find out more, then when I tweet out links to this, you will see all of the ways that you can contact them. You can find them on www.charleslouis.co.uk and they have a telephone number, which is 0161 959 0166. They're friendly. Give them a call if you need any advice or you're going in that direction. And thanks for supporting us. So with me tonight are three uh, people who are City fans, of course. We have a squad, the Forever Blue squad. Uh, some of them at the moment are swanning themselves right away, getting suntans and whatnot. But we like to vary things anyway. We've got Emily, who's a regular member of the squad. You all right, Emily? Really good, thanks, yeah. And you have been topping up your tan recently, yeah. so... <laughs> Jet setting. <laughs> and we've also got two people who are not as familiar to you as listeners, though the first one of them, Dante, may well be familiar to you as a City fan because he's an author, he's been around a long time. In fact, rather than me introduce him, you t- introduce yourself, Dante. Okay, so I'm Dante, friend, I'm, I'm 44 now and uh, been a City fan all my life, been going since the 80s, mid-80s fourth generation blue my kids are fifth generation blues now and my dad was in the record crowd at um, 84,000 at Main Road um, and I'm going to sell sound that one of the organisers of the 1894 group at the moment and that's a lot of hard work and um, just really kind of passionate about the atmosphere and oh yeah I've done a couple of books on City and going back years ago I was kind of involved with the um, well, I can agree with Francis Lee's running of the club at the time, and I think, you know, obviously he came out and David Bernstein went in, and I think it was kind of the, the, the turnaround of the club at that time. So, yeah, um, bit of a rabble rouser, but I could do with just like a few good years of uh, good football and just calm down a bit, really. Yeah. Couldn't we all? Yeah. And our fourth member of the team today is. Uh, I'm Andy. I've been a season ticket holder for over 20 years. Not quite got the story as Dante, but uh, yeah, uh, blue since birth. Uh, go to every game with my mum. Um, and yeah, just uh, love talking about City, really. The fact that you've got the Saab City shirt on, which people, when they imagine that, will take you to a certain era. Yeah. Does that tell me that was the era you started watching City? Uh, no, year I was born, 82, this shirt. Right. So uh, yeah, year of birth, that's why, uh, why I got it. Well, welcome along to Forever Blue. Um, let's start by talking about the Community Shield. Now, there are different aspects of that. Um the first one is is ultimately City retaining the Community Shield, which they did on penalties, uh, and your views on that game. So, who wants to start? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was a it was a game as you'd expect. Two teams that I don't think are hundred percent yet. Um, both with players coming back, players not you know fully fit. Um, very much pre season. Um, I mean, it's always nice people call it a trophy, but I don't think it can be classed as a major one. And yeah, I think we ran out of steam a little bit in the second half and like that's what let them back in it. Would you have said that before the game? Because obviously I talk to people on the vlog that I do and one of the questions I was asking is, you know, is, is this a serious game? Does it matter to you whether you win or not? And I could tell that occasionally people would hold back because they think, hang on a minute, if we lose this game and I've said it's important, that's going to look stupid. Once the game had finished... Then most of the people started saying, "Boy, it's a big win, this." Including Dante, by the way, who I spoke to outside Wembley. You know, oh, it's it's highly significant. I just wonder whether the psychology would have been different after um, the after the game. For me, it's a game I always enjoy winning. I think it is, you know, it is classed as one of the big four, and I do enjoy. It, but if if we'd hadn't won, I wouldn't, you know, be hitting panic buttons or anything. I think it is at the end of the day, it's a it's a pre season game. Um, more important than your other pre-season games, it's not like your Champions Cup, whatever they call it, played across every continent in the country, uh, in the world, sorry. But, yeah, it's a game that I always enjoy winning. But like I say, it's not one that if we didn't win, I'd be 
I'd be panicking about. Yeah, well, I felt before the game, though, that it was an important game you to win. You did say that, yeah. I think psychologically it's the first blow for us. Because I've seen their fans after the game and they're fed up that they've lost. You know, they can't, it's in denial again that we were the better team. We didn't, we didn't lose, we drew. Um, and there's always good things you can take from it. You know, the fact that we've played a game, um, see Jesus with the penalty, in a big match situation or a, a big stadium, 80,000 people, uh, that's a pressure kick. Um, the penalties were good again good outing for Rodri in that environment um, and you know without kind of a, a proper striker through the middle Sterling having to play up front and again so he, he can miss that chance in a, in a community shield but we don't want him to miss that chance in a proper league game because if he scores that it's 2-0 it might end up 3 or 4 and then he misses and then they score and then it's kind of uh, a difficult last half an hour of the game I thought it was a game of two halves thought we were better in the first and they were better in the second yeah um before the game i um i did like a couple of things a couple of interviews i said it would go to penalties i said it'd be a really close game and that we'd use sterling in the false nine position um i, I it's a it's a big game but i kind of classed it in brackets last season so the, the club kind of referred to us as the formidables but I say like we won the treble in brackets the community shield but I think for me this season it meant a little bit more because it was Liverpool mm. because of the rivalry so yeah I didn't want to get beat because it was them we had to win because it just seems to be like that doesn't it it's like blow on blow and it's already started in the press Klopp and Pep already going tete-a-tete it started exactly where we left off and it doesn't seem like it's going to let up anytime soon but I agree with Dante it was a game of two halves without a doubt we ran out of steam the fitness levels need to be questioned a little bit because after 60 minutes the legs are completely gone and we had nothing left in the tank and when they brought on the subs they they really went for it and obviously if it hadn't been for Kyle Walker could have been a bit of a different story with the results so Maybe we got a little bit of luck in the second half, but Sterling should be doing better with his, with his finishing. And I know that he can do better, so that was a little bit frustrating. But he looked exciting anyway, his movement. Um, and De Bruyne as well had a good game. So, yeah, happy days that we got through it, really. There were a couple of things you said there that are worth expanding on a little bit. I mean, obviously, I sensed before the game that Pep actually was more motivated than perhaps he would have been had Klopp not been mm. accusing City of, you know, these sort of, ah, oh, well, they just spend more than us and all this sort of thing. And, and Pep gave quite a robust answer to that. And the other aspect to it, because you're saying about City getting tired after 60 minutes, is that Pep, I think, has admitted that the pre-season trip to China, Japan and Hong Kong was not ideal. They got there two days late, high humidity, didn't do the training that they really wanted to do. And he's argued, and I've seen quotes that have suggested, that pre-season for him started almost when they got back from that tour and, and that they're now still doing pre-season up and maybe even beyond the West Ham game. So are those valid parts of what happened on Sunday? Yeah, I don't think the trip... To, to Japan and China I don't think it worked I don't think I always think that clubs that do kind of tour around those places in pre-season I don't think it's a great preparation for a season um, but absolutely it's something that we were, we had to do um, and I, I, it probably did start hitting her when we got back the real work that we needed to kind of kick in and and uh, probably the community was the real test to see where we were and I think this week there'll be a lot of work to do um, I think there's always a, I suppose you call it a bit of ring rust um, and West Ham will be an interesting game You'd be a good one to talk about the atmosphere Nancy there were more Liverpool fans there we can't deny that uh, in the stadium and they made more noise however there was also a lot of anger I felt from Liverpool fans first of all um, I was particularly conscious of the fact that there were two uh, groups of choirs that were performing on the pitch before the game that were there full of people who have various um, and I'm, I'm reluctant to use the word disabilities but issues around, around their mental health and part of what they were doing was to uh, get over some of those hurdles by performing on a big stage and although it happened as well when the Liverpool um, choir sang You'll Never Walk Alone, there was a bit of booing from the city section, there was a very loud, audible, drowning out almost 
of the uh, B Vocal Choir, which was the city section, which really upset me, I must admit. Uh, and then, of course, when the National Anthem came on, whatever your beliefs are in terms of royal families and all the rest of it, the, the, the whole thing was drowned out by the Liverpool end. Um, what are the positives and negatives of what you, you heard in the atmosphere? Well, it was more of a family atmosphere in the city end because obviously a lot of the people who regularly go don't always go. Was, I thought it was a brilliant turnout from the city end, about 27,000 out of 29, given all the, the trips we have to Wembley, same as went to Brighton for the semi-final. I thought it was a good turnout. Yeah, there were more Liverpool fans, but there were, a lot of them live down there and they've got the, the corporates. I mean, when they scored, they were cheering in the level two in our end sort of thing, you know, and... Um, I would say putting six fingers up, but I think a lot of them have got six fingers anyway. Um, <laughs> as as for the as for the uh, the booing, I mean that's we've just got to ask Liverpool fans why 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 they want to do that. That's I mean I think if they start turning their back on the rest of the country, the rest of the country will start turning their back on them. You know, we we work with the Liverpool uh, group, um, Spirit Shankly. We've worked together with them on things like safe standing. Um, and they've backed us on you know issues as well around the you know we we worked on things like the Champions League we're against the um, formation of a European Super League that's really dangerous for domestic competition uh, ticket prices there's lots of things that we would do work together on you know I've been to some of these guys' weddings and this sort of thing you know there's some personal friendships there but the um, you know they've had to sort of start putting out articles in the papers today only Tony Evans and why why we boo this and why we boo that and it's just you know. They don't cover themselves in glory, I don't think, you know. And I think while there was some goodwill towards Liverpool for certain things, things that happened in the past, justice issues, if they start doing that, then I think the, the rest of the country will turn on them. I felt personally that uh, I've, what's happened in the last year or two has created a lot of animosity between City and Liverpool fans. But I went to that game thinking it'll be a bit different today because a lot of the spectators that will attend in the stadium might not be the hardcore. So it might be a slightly more family-friendly type of atmosphere. So when those two incidents happened, I know it wasn't fisticuffs, it was just booing. And you might say, well, you know, that doesn't do any harm ultimately. I still thought, well... You don't ingratiate, ingratiate yourselves with people when you're like that. I mean, whether I'm a royal or not isn't irrelevant for this, but I wouldn't sit there and stand there and boo it, however my feelings were. I'd just be silent if I felt against something, but still be respectful to the people around me who do believe in that. Well, the, um, <clears throat> for some people, obviously, it wasn't a friendly because there was a bit of trouble. Um, there was a couple of incidents... Um, and um, that was kind of, I think some people knew that some things, some things were going to happen. So there is a rivalry with the fans, there's some bad feeling, but then obviously a lot of fans do get on. So it'd be a shame if it went the same way that it did reunited. But I think some of the media is responsible for building that up, especially the Liverpool Echo. Um, I don't think the, the Manchester News is as bad the other way around. Um, but as for the, um, you know, the, 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 the sort of the booing of the national anthem, talking about you know what happened in the 80s and this sort of thing you know, fair enough but I mean you talk about the anthem that's which usually it's working class people who go for fight and die on behalf of richer people so you know you, you're not really honouring your own you working class people if you if you're booing the anthem that's the country we live in so you know it's have a bit of respect I think yeah just further on from that as well um, obviously I've seen the the humongous launch today of the Athletic UK with all the um, journalists I don't know if you've if you've seen that but it's a new thing about um, like a subscription I don't want to give them too much publicity because they've really been milking it enough on socials today so uh, but I did see that the write-up and their one of their USPs their selling points was that we don't do clickbait, we do honest journalism. Yet the Liverpool journalist, who I'm pretty sure they've got from the Echo, um, his first article is from the chairman of Liverpool and the quotes that they've used to actually highlight and, and um, promote his article uh, are all about FFP and total and utter clickbait towards City. So, I mean, they're, they're constantly at it even when they're working for an institution that's claiming that you know you can rely on us you can pay to read good honest journalism 
but they're always twisting it into clickbait and creating this rivalry and it is it's 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 really getting toxic now and i said that last season didn't i on one of the podcasts it's become it it, it took the shine off last season for me and um the stress of it had a bit of an effect on me and going into the summer i felt like it took a long time to really relax and enjoy the weekends again. Not, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy the football because my God, how can you not enjoy the football that we play? But the rivalry and towards the end of it because it was so so nerve wracking, so tense, so close, and it was constantly bitterness. And and every time you went on a social network, they were there giving it the big ones. I'm not saying we didn't, but it just got to a point where for me it took away from the enjoyment of it, and that isn't really what football is about, and that's not really what I want. But Pep, um, I think, uses this as a, as a motivating factor in the dressing room and it builds that siege mentality. So, again, I'm glad that he is, um, you know, on the ball with that. I spoke to Brian Kidd once years ago and when he was at United, there was obviously, like, people who go on the phone-ins and this sort of thing or articles in the papers and his job would be to go into the dressing room and pencil on the board and say, there you go, he says you're finished, he says you're rubbish, da 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 Proven wrong, and that was the motivational factor. So they do, they are aware of the papers, um, and we went in for a meet. We as an exact four, we went in for a meeting with Vicky Kloss once um, because we were going to do a display, uh, having a pop at some of the sort of people in the media. Uh, it was going to be like Snow White and the Seven Dorks or something. But it was things like Collie Moore and a few people. And she kind of said, "Look, you could do it, but you'll probably end up being twisted against you, and you'll probably end up, you know, being." Look. And we were saying to her, "So we think, you know, you should be banning some of these people." And she did go into a lot of detail about why you know the the kind of the Abu Dhabi ways is just kind of treat people with respects and stuff and I think you know playing the long game which is is not you know if they don't really want to be seen to be sort of um reactive to negative comments and this sort of thing but I think you know the fans would probably you know we look at Guardiola's press conference this week and we he's seen you know we're not getting the credit and this sort of thing well fans would just love some of these people from the you know from the journalists the uh, the, the London ones especially the nationals they're just there to undermine the club at every opportunity. And I think on Twitter, there's been a spat for about three months now with a, with a guy who's kind of exposing the journalists. And it's kind of galvanising the, the support generally against the journalists, you know. Cause it's talking about rabbit here, aren't you? Yeah, I don't know the guy, but it's obviously there's an agenda against it and he's kind of you know, undermining the hypocrisy. So um, this is what we're up against, really. But I think yeah. Pep uses it as a motivational factor. And you had, was it Simeone today, athletic old yeah. guy? I don't put who put fifty p in it in him today, but he's moving off saying there's no history and this sort of thing. I mean, just you know. But you you mentioned it before, Emily, when you touched on this new group, the 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 national or whatever it's called, which I haven't. The athletic. Uh, sorry, yeah, the athletic, and um and the only thing I've seen from them was one statement that said we're nicking. <clears throat> they might not use that language, but basically we're recruiting. Let's use that word. Um, the best local journalists from each club and we're going to blow out of the water everybody else and destroy them and language like that and I thought yeah launch a new company and, and try to do the best you can but that's very inflammatory language isn't it who's the guy from the Echo that's gone there is it that James Purcell yeah, yeah so, and again he won't go for a pay cut so he'll bang on about um, oh City this and oil money this but he'll have gone for a pay rise himself won't he? he won't have if he was doing the honourable thing, he'd have said he'll stay at the Echo, wouldn't he? And get his 50, 50 quid a week and eat his jam butties and his, and his little jam butty man in Nutty Ash. But no, he's going to take the money like the rest of them. Um, and he was, it, was it some of the other big journalists? There was, there was a transfer. Was it, oh, we've, we've signed someone from the Star to the Sun or wherever it was. There were years ago. Was it, was it Henry Winter even? Or something? He, he mean, went to the Times, he Henry the Winter. Times, yeah. So Henry Winter does a lot for us. He kind of retweets things. And he is Henry's in, very good, yeah. I He's think. into fan issues. And you know, he's one of these that's not... He's like you. He's not been fast-trapped like an ex-player and someone goes to his column. He's actually learned his trade and he's, you know, he's passionate about football and he's, he's done things like, you know, waiting outside dressing rooms, got a report, wait to speak to, speak to somebody. But even he yesterday did a tweet saying um, City fans booing Liverpool, Liverpool fans booing a bit and Liverpool fans booing the anthem, welcome to the season. Well, that was... I think the Liverpool fans booing the anthem was the big story and each um, sort of... The only way he wanted to criticise Liverpool was to dress it up hide it in between three or four other lines so it was kind of you know it's uh, it's not as bad 
So I think, the trouble is, though, that like um, this is a really interesting discussion because Emily talked about the toxicity, uh, toxicity, if I can say it, of what happened last season, and uh, you know, even I, um, I'm, I'm a bit wary of being too outspoken on social media because you know, first of all, I don't want to be accused of just doing, saying something for the sake of it. Uh, but secondly, you know the backlash that you're going to get, which can be very unpleasant. So yesterday, for example, when I heard the booing of the national anthem, I was pretty certain that it was the Liverpool fans and only the Liverpool fans that were booing that anthem. But because I wasn't 100% certain and I didn't want to throw out accusations and I wasn't looking for actual clickbait, I, asked, I simply asked the question on Twitter and said there was a lot of booing of the national anthem. Why, you know... Who, who was doing that and why and where and, and asked it like that. Now that, in a way, was me being Henry Winter and slightly ducking out of just going for that hard edge because I could have just gone uh, something like how disgusting that Liverpool fans booed the anthem and been a lot more provocative. I might have got five times the amount of reaction. I might have got five times as many clicks. But I tried to be sort of fair, really, and think, well, it's hard to tell while he sat there. There might have been some City fans doing it too. Not very fair, though, when they were booing um, Sane when he was down injured and, no. and coming off injured. But they've got history with that because of Edison. They did it with Yaya, yeah, didn't they, as well? With Edison at, at, at the Etihad. <clears throat> yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. we know, we all know, don't we? we? We've got an answer for everything. Like that game where we only lost 5 0 because they had a player sent off. But it was a striker that came off. There was no defenders or midfielders that came off. They still kept the shape. They were in the game when the when the when the guy you know the guy was sent off. So you know if you're a one man team, if Mane's your team, then there's no wonder you can't win the league in twenty nine years. The thing about it is, it is just the pure hypocrisy of, and it's I mean it's not just Liverpool. But I think it's football in general. But I think like you say, the booing of Sane. Yeah, heaven forbid, Salah went down and you booed him. You could you imagine the coverage in the press, of. Of any, you know, it, it, you'd be absolutely pilloried by everyone and anyone because you, you had the audacity. And I think it, there is, in, certainly in the media, is that favourable look at Liverpool. And whether it's because of the ex players and the pundits there, um, I don't know. But, and I think that probably is. I mean, I think Liverpool still see themselves as kind of everyone's second favourite team, if not everyone's first favourite team. And then you've got your own team kind of thing. But I think at the minute, it's, it is going against them. And I read an article about the the, uh, the booing um, of the anthem, and it was dressed up as a letter to Jacob Rees-Mogg. I saw that. And, it, Evans, yeah, yeah. and yeah. It, it, it was almost like, we're not doing it because England, it's a political statement. And it was, again, it was a, a, a just a... It was it, just nonsense. Yeah, yeah. It, it really was just a, it's not, they're not, you know, they're doing it for good, mm. and, you know, rather than actually saying it's not something you should be doing. It, 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 again, it's to kind of bypassed the actual looking at Liverpool what they're doing but dressing up as are they still going with the the selling point of this means more this season are they going to stick with that I've not noticed that I've been doing other things at the (laughs) moment (laughs) (laughs) well obviously we're going to talk now about next season but before we move on to that because Dante is is a rare visitor to the podcast and I know he's a big shaker and mover in atmosphere I'm going to give you the platform at least for a couple of minutes to, to talk about that I mean as far as I understand it, Wolves have now uh, are introducing, have introduced safe standing. No, they Where are we on no, that? No, they haven't. No, um, what they've done is they've just put rail. They've put like rails in front of the seats, so it looks like it's safe stand um, a terrace. But all you're doing is you're just taking up a little bit more room, you know, for your own feet really there. So everybody's the same, hiding behind the hiding behind the the law, if you like just need somebody to, to actually just go for it really and I think people do stand up at the moment in the ground but you're in your designated seat and you know that you can get there a minute before kickoff. whereas if it was kind of unreserved standing area when I used to go on the kickbacks I used to stand up if we wanted to go into our spot we had to sort of turn up a certain time before that you know to get the same spot you'd have to turn up you'd be with your mates and because you, you know, you might have your mates in different parts of the ground or for a few rows in front of you, but if you're all together, uh, you kind of behave maybe a little bit more relaxed and you can go for it a bit more. So the other thing as well, there's a couple of things made with the atmosphere. We, we, we're up against a very corporate, uh, not up against a corporate club, but we have got a very corporate club now. The owners want us to be the, 
you know, biggest club, if you like, in the world by revenue. They want us to be the most successful club. Obviously, that'll take time. They are in a kind of competition with La Liga, so they just want to, it's all about driving revenue all the time. And unfortunately, there's every year, some of the traditional City fans kind of drop away. There's kind of fewer and fewer faces that were there in the bad times that can go. And it's kind of the bitterest pill, really, if you can't afford to go when we're doing really well. It's like, what's the point? We'd surveyed our members and uh, about half of them said prices were just right and half of them said they're too high now. And uh, we, we tried to put out a statement to convey that and a lot of people then were saying, you know, the prices are so far too high and you should be hammering the club and this sort of thing. So the, the difficulty is now, I think, for the club, we've got to, and we fed that back in and said, you need to understand if you're going to ramp up the prices, it doesn't matter who's on the pitch, people won't be able to, they can't afford to go and that affects the atmosphere the the fact we're still suffering a little bit from the bad years because the you know the the, the people you know the average age the, the spectators are quite old it's a younger fan base at liverpool a younger fan base at united maybe more energy and this sort of thing because they they, they got involved with them and we kind of missed out on a, a number of fans in the in the well, 80s, it, 90s. it's a simple question then a city trying to run before they can walk no, I think they just, you know, we, we've got, well, we've talked about the um, the trip to Japan. Yeah. So on the pitch, it might not have been a great performance, but in, in, in Japan, I think there was like 72,000 City fans. I mean... Obviously... Were there? Because I watched that game on the TV, and the vast majority of the people in the Japan game were wearing Yokohama shirts. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so that, you know, I never saw big sections of City fans. I saw little enclaves and I've been on the previous I know it wasn't in Japan and China but I've been on the previous two pre-seasons I didn't go on this one but when I've sat in the stadium and City have played Real Madrid or Spurs or United or whoever it was and the City section was always like a small section it was almost like an away section whereas the rest of the ground was pretty much always well, yeah. the other fans compared to Real Madrid got 13 European Cups and but even Tottenham but, that even happened against Tottenham. Yes, but we've. Um, what I'm saying is that the ground, the, 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 there was a, a capacity crowd. Whether whether they're all City fans or not, that's not, not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying we have got a growing fan base. Yeah, no, base nobody would argue with we've that. We've got to sort of uh, we, and that's why we go there now. I think mm-hmm. because you know, um, the days of going to Stockport and Bury, and, and that, well, we used to love that, but they've they that days have kind of. But gone. surely that is all done by the marketing department. They've just sat down and said, right, where where are we going to focus on? We need to grow the Far East more because they're the ones with the money. There was surely looking from a cynical or business perspective, somebody in the marketing team have just sat down and said, right, you know, because we we go to America as well, don't we? We'll go over there, we'll make a mint selling shirts, we'll promote the club, we'll, we'll grow it, like I say. They've uh, been a couple of times, haven't they, and they played in that international champions, yeah. which a lot of the big clubs are playing this year, aren't they? And we've done the other thing, you know, whether it's to do with um, the Chinese influence in the club now, uh, again, they're probably looking at other areas of the world, aren't they, India and stuff, where mm. there's, there's, there's a market they want to tap into and kind of firm up the support. Are they focusing too much? Oh, sorry, I'm asking no, no, the question. No. Yeah. Effectively, what you're coming to is still the same as what I'm saying. Are, are, they, they, are they running before they walk? No, Be- because, because, well, come in again in a second, Emily, yeah. but let me get to where I want yeah. to get to in this because, you know, you're talking about atmosphere, you're talking about, and, and we all want the stadium to be full at every home game. The club is putting a lot of effort into courting the Japanese, Chinese and American fans great and we all want them to to buy into and buy shirts and go online and subscribe to the new app i get all that but they're not going to fill the stadium on a tuesday no, night against no, Fulham, are they anyone will tell you that and they've said that for years and years and years and that's it's the it's the traditional fans that will go thick and thin and um but i think the club also know that and they will there's making that decision to say well if we can it with people who are going to buy a bag full of stuff as well then that's what they're looking at at the moment so you're confident that the, that the sort of general direction is right and and going at the right pace no i didn't say that i'm saying as i know that for example if you spoke to soriano or whoever it is who's making the you know the omar Brad and these people they are driven by what the bottom line is on the on the transfer thing and uh if you know me or you can't afford to go anymore we're 
that's it. They don't care. It's really you know, someone else, someone else feels the same. It comes down to numbers on a spreadsheet at the end of the day, and that's what they're focusing on. They're focusing on the bottom line and revenue, and ultimately, it's the the local and the hardcore element that are suffering, and that hardcore element from Division Two, like Dante says, they keep just dropping off because the affordability factor comes in. They're putting the prices up and. They're just alienating local fans. I, I'm all for like the worldwide fans. I, I love it because people talk to me from everywhere in the world and it's it's amazing. But don't neglect your hardcore fans. Because some of the things they do then, so for example, like 115 and 116, 117, some of those are areas which are designated kind of like more the vocal areas and this sort of thing. If somebody then doesn't re- return the ticket, some can't go to the game and they want to sell them back through the club and this sort of thing, we've tried to then try to get tickets and allocate them to people who might be involved with singing and this sort of thing. We find that these, you know, handful of seats, even in those areas, are going to be resold through packages, you know, with Thomas Cook and this sort of thing. So you've got, and we'll have it, some guy from wherever, clearly his first game at the, you know, the, at the ground, this sort of thing, doesn't know any of the songs. And some of the songs, you know, they're not carrying because you've got a mix of people in there. Uh, so I say, just from our, our history thing was, you know, we had a load of people that was going to go into that area, they then brought up to tier three. It's got a lot of people went into that area because it was cheaper, and there was really nobody. Only nine people came from one one oh one one one. So we didn't really affect anything on that side. It was just the acoustics, the ground, the way it is. It's still an athletic stadium. They could transform it immediately. We put loads of ideas to them. They don't really want to do it, so we just have to sort of go with what we've got really. Um, but there is still plenty of passion with a lot of City fans and some of those the, the running was 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 fantastic you know the Spurs game uh, the 4-3 the game amazing the um, the Leicester game you know some of those Liverpool game as well uh, there was some fun, you know when the, when the whole stadium does get up you know it can be a really good atmosphere you know so a quick question before we move on to previewing it and I'm a bit conscious of the fact that Andy's been left out of this a little so bit I don't worry um, so one quick question to you before we move on. We've already discussed on the pod about the new system for points and away tickets and all the rest of it. So people are now who go to away games don't get points anymore. And there's now obviously a, a section of tickets are on sale to people between 18 and 25 who don't necessarily have anything. Um, from your point of view, you can speak personally or you can speak it as you feel fit to represent the group. But is that something you approve of, the new system? Yeah, so I can only speak personally because we've only done a... We weren't part of any of the discussions, didn't have any background to it whatsoever. The first time we got any details, the same as everybody else when it was pulled out publicly the other week. So I can only give a personal view. And I don't go to every away game as well. I actually fell behind with points because I've got a family and... Um, you know, sometimes it'd be like somebody who's not going, who's got a lot of points, I'd be able to get in and get a ticket through them and this sort of thing. And I think this is all down to maybe a handful of people who um, have earned their place, have queued up outside the ground in the old days overnight for tickets. They've got up to a high points total. If they can't go to a game, they might pass it on to a family member or something like that. I don't think that it was the number one priority for people to look at. That's not, not a criticism of, of people who've made that decision because they've been asked to do something and they feel it's the right thing for them to do and uh, you know it wasn't an easy decision but I just wonder if it was the number one priority that had to be done I think 14 games went to general sale so you could you go to Newcastle on a Wednesday night you go to Southampton over Christmas you can build your points so you can close the gap and become one of the, the top people uh, points wise through making the effort I think if somebody's got like um I know West Ham only sold out of 14,000 points, you know, so it's, you don't have to be a m- go to every single game to get to that game. I think there was people who were on 23,000 who didn't get one for Bournemouth, who had got one the year before and the year before that. And if you're that person who misses out and somebody else has, you know, got 3,000 points and has got a ticket before you, you're going to feel very, very uh, aggrieved about it. And also, if, say, if you're 24, you might get tickets this year. When you get next year, then you 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 snookered again, aren't you? So, I don't think it was the priority. I think season ticket prices are priority. Match day tickets are priority. Membership cards are priority, uh, and also there seems to be a lot of change all at the same time. The spot checks and and so on. Um, you know, I I, I personally think um, it could have been communicated better as well. 
All right, well, let's draw a line under it there now and let's be full of optimism, I assume you're <laughs> going to be, for the season. I'm going to start with Andy because he's not had a chance to speak. <laughs> um, so uh, here we are now on the eve of the new season, West Ham away. How are you feeling? What, what's going to happen? Is City going to top what they did last year? Yes, I think we will. I think we'll keep pushing. I think Guardiola, every season, he kind of he see what's gone on previously and, and built on it. Obviously, we went down in points last season, but I think performances, the way we managed games and controlled games was different and better. And I think it will be this season. Um, like you were saying before, I hope it's not the same. I'd prefer to win by 19 points and it'd be exciting. Wouldn't <laughs> we all? <laughs> I, don't, I, think, I think everyone I've spoken to, the season ticket holder, has said it's a first close season where I'm just glad there's no football because it's just needed the break. But I think we will. I think we'll, we'll do well and we'll keep building. I think we've spent on a position that we needed to spend. Um, and yeah, I can see us. I don't don't go wrong. I don't think we'll go unbeaten. I don't necessarily think we'll win the same trophies that we uh, that we've won, but I think we'll push it. I think we'll win the league, um, and I'm very optimistic. I think we'll give all the other trophies a good go. So if City win the league, which mm-hmm. you're saying they will, but they don't win all the other trophies, mm-hmm. which you've also put forward, um, <clears throat> that leaves the Champions League as yeah. the as the one that City haven't won yet. Mm-hmm. If City don't win the Champions League and the rest of it is as you predicted, does that mean City have gone downhill? No, um, and I'm not saying we won't win the FA Cup or the uh, the Carlin Cup. Um, I just don't think it, that it's a guarantee. But for me, the Champions League, it'd be great. But at the end of the day, it's a cup competition, and every cup competition requires luck. And if on that one day someone gets injured, some the ball doesn't cross the line, the referee makes a mistake, you can go out. Um, which is why I think consistency is key, which is why I think we will win the league. I think we are by far the most consistent team um, and we just need to make sure we've got the luck in the Cups to kind of go on and win it. So now that we're here, where we are, and you said you were quite thankful for a break, yeah. are you now excited at this point? Can you not wait for it to happen? Or is still a bit of you thinking, it wouldn't matter to me if it was another couple of three weeks away? No, I'm excited, I can't wait. I'm ready for for the West Ham game early morning. I've got the kids out of the house so I can sit and watch it and enjoy it. Um, and then, yeah, I can't wait to get back to the Etihad and kind of settle back into it and, and hit the season running, hopefully. How do you feel then, after your toxic season last no. year? Yeah, I feel ready now. Um, I might have felt... No, I wouldn't have felt different if they would have won yesterday. No, I do feel excited and I do feel optimistic. Um, I... I just hope it it isn't as close as it was last year. I think an influencing factor will be VAR this season. And I think you'll see it positively influence in the way that they got a lot of decisions going their way last year, didn't they, at Liverpool? And I think somebody even showed the um, a tally of the points that they would have lost had VAR been in play. So it'll be really interesting to see how that affects the league in general and I am kind of I'm for it and I'm not and I don't want to make it into a VAR debate because we could be here all night long um I just think it'll be really interesting to see how certain teams are affected by it um but I think yeah Rodri brilliant signing we've got another one on the way now he's on his private jet coming in um is it Cancelo um he is landed now into Manchester so he will be signing and that's brilliant because Walker Although I think the latter end of last season was absolutely superb. He was exhausted as well because he was... I mean, Danilo came in and he did a really good job. But it'd be brilliant to have a fresh pair of legs in there. And he's, he's meant to be on hell of a player as well. So be interesting to see how that plays out. My only little niggle is, obviously, we haven't got Vincent. So we haven't got that presence that he brings. And, that, and, and he was so solid as a defender and as a leader as well how that could potentially affect us and will we be a little bit light at the back but I've heard rumours that obviously maybe Kyle might slot into central defence or even Fernandinho so again you can never really second guess Pep because he takes us all surprise by surprise but it'll be exciting. Pep's a genius (laughs) but but I've got to say one of the questions I was going to ask you all tonight was how significant will be the absence of Vincent Company? Now, if you look at the statistics, um, you know, he, he didn't play by any means in every game. In fact, there was a long period between January, I think it was March, something like that, where he, he wasn't involved at all. But towards the end, he played in all the big games. And 
anybody that's seen the speeches that have been transmitted and anybody that's followed his career, which we all have done for the last 10 years, knows that it's not always just about what he did on the pitch, but it's what he, the part he played off the pitch. And I've got to declare that I think he's going to be a huge loss. Now, when City were being linked with Benucci or you know another centre-back like that, and I accept what you're saying about potentially Kyle Walker or Fernandinho or some other solution, but when Benucci was being mentioned, I'm not saying Benucci is the be-all and end-all or that I'm even an expert on Benucci, but it felt like one of those big personality leader type characters was what we needed mm. and I am very concerned um, not in the, the, the what you might call the run of the mill games because I think the, the City have such an advantage over most teams that they play in the Premier League that they'll, they should I mean let's face it they beat six, Southampton 6-1 at, at home last season uh, from memory I can't remember if, if Vinny played in that game or not but it, it might not have actually mattered you know it's when it comes down to you know, Leicester, who I think will be up there this season, actually, um, when it comes down to playing Liverpool at, near Christmas and stuff like that, that's when you need this extra X factor, yeah. which Vincent the grip. brought. So yeah. is that a concern to you? It is. For, I think it's really down to how Laporte and Stones uh, defend and play. But Stone, I mean, I'm, it's not, I'm not having a go here. I'm just, I've got to play devil's advocate. When I, but Stones hasn't got that personality. And in fact, Laporte hasn't got that personality. No. Both of them are quite quiet, really, aren't they? The biggest of the three at the back, um, uh, personality-wise, is probably Otamendi, which a lot of City fans don't have as much affection for. Well, I don't know about being big or personal, but I mean, that, that'll come. It's They've got the... He's gone now, company. He was, as you say, the presence in the dressing room, good around the dressing room, driving them on all the time. But it is, they've been there alongside him for two, three years now, and it is up to them to step up to the plate in that regard. And it's not about balling and this sort of thing. It's just about being consistent, like I say, and being new. So if those two are together and playing well, that's what they're both there for, kind of two Rolls-Royce centre-halves, aren't they? You know, for the same price as they're buying a car horse for 85 million and giving them a six-year contract you know that, that and i would like to see mendy fully fit and i would like to see cancello um who's a, i've just read up on him and everything i've not seen too much of him but he looks brilliant he can also get down the, and do a lot of crossing and stuff and i think in europe if because i'm worried about zinchenko being targeted as well you know we sort of so Rodri as well a brilliant signing but he's going to take time to settle in just like David Silva did and this sort of thing so I think we're still relying on Fernandinho who will slot in at centre half and time to time as well I think we've got after Spurs I think the kind of the fixtures are a little bit easier really you know for about three months until November it's probably a good time to get everyone bedding in because Realistically, I think over that tough Christmas period, that's where the, the games are going to come thick and fast, and we need. That's all where these the slip happened last year, that. wasn't it? Yeah. You know, Crystal Palace and Leicester were right in the thick of that December. Years, yeah, but um, yeah, you're right. Obviously, for the running, I mean, like I say, we might be um, running at the same kind of lost a couple of games, but if Liverpool are all, uh, five or six points behind this time round, it might not be as important you know but it's just like you say the, the season rests on like maybe two or three key games over the season doesn't it you know the three goals at home against Monaco the three goals at home against Tottenham in the Champions League you know this is we need a Vincent company performance from Merrick Laporte and John Stones in these big games don't we I, I think Vincent will be missed so much more off the pitch than on the pitch so because we did go through mass parts of the season with injuries and for various reasons, and don't get me wrong, when when you read the team sheet and company was on it, you kind of went, oh, sorry, and it, you kind of relaxed into it. But I think maybe without him there on the pitch, people will step up. But then you like you say, you see the speeches off the pitch, and when we we you know we'd come back at half time and they'd say it was what company said. I think that's what we need someone to step up, and I don't know who that will be. Um, you know, I mean, they still know who captain who's going to be captain next season, um, but. I think that's what we're kind of going to miss and we need someone to step up and someone that's going to stand up in the dressing room and have that have that word with the players. Is Zinchenko a concern? Because, you know, you mentioned Mendy and everything and he's getting close and, and actually what people forget is that he actually played quite a lot of games at the beginning of last season 
we forget that because towards the end of the season he was invisible. You know, he gone. He got, he got injured again, and Zinchenko made that role his own. Delph actually played quite a few games early on in the season as well when Mendy was injured, uh, uh, not available. You know, in those early games. But again, I came away from Wembley with people whispering in me. Here, Zinchenko's vulnerable. I mean, he was up against Salah, to be fair. Who's, who's but, in front you know, of him as well? You know, the other a defender will be in front of you normally, a, a midfielder, or you know. And we we've got attacking players like Sterling, and so that's why him and Angelina are obviously very young, and you know, that's why I don't think City will won't push Danilo out the door. If he goes, he goes. But I mean, if we can get the guy in from Juventus and keep Danilo, maybe that'd be absolutely brilliant. You know. Um, I think I mean I wouldn't necessarily say he's a liability, but I think it, uh, if you look at the back four, he's always going to be the one that's targeted. If you're going to target any of our back four, you got uh, you know if you've got Cancelo or Walker, Stones, Laporte, Otamendi in the middle, whichever, and Zinchenko at left, that's always going to be the one that's going to be targeted. So he's going to be under pressure, and I think like you say, the person in front of him has to be aware of that and be willing to kind of muck in and do that defensive work, and whoever's on the left side of the centre has to be willing to kind of, again, just cover him and help him through because he is young and he's an attacking midfielder kind of being made into a leper. The likes of Fernandino and Rodri are going to be absolutely vital again yeah. this season, aren't they? Yeah, it's that lack of um, like height and strength in the back four that is my only real area of concern because we've got like an embarrassment of wealth moving f- further up the pitch. Um, but the, it'll be the same people saying that about Zinchenko who closed the season not saying that he was the best thing since sliced bread. So you know how fickle football fans can be and I've seen it before, you know, they all wanted company out the door and then they were all over him at the end of the season. So, you know, <laughs> it's just the way football fans are. They just, they, they just blow like the wind, don't they? So I'm sure he'll be fine. Um, a couple of them looked rusty yesterday anyway, didn't they? So we've just got to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. And he really impressed me last year. Um, I want to see Mendy, though. Yeah. I, I want to see Mendy back. And I've seen him throughout the summer, seeing all his Instagram mm-hmm. stories, constantly pounding the gym, working constantly working out, constantly every single day on his fitness. So where is he? So we need to He's see him back. He's getting close, I think. Yeah, back in full training I think. So yeah I think this was the week this week that he was supposed to return to full training the other player that we could mention at this point is Claudio Bravo who of course missed pretty much the whole of last season um, he's played in all the pre-season he played in the game at Wembley of course and I actually thought he was City's man of the match right. at Wembley for regard and I don't mean just because yeah. of the penalty save um, I thought he played really well and and I've you know I've looked at him in the past and thought his confidence is gone you know whether he was a really good goalkeeper at Barcelona I don't know, I didn't watch him enough, but I know when I've seen him at City, I felt very nervous when the ball's been in and around him. I didn't feel like that at all at Wembley, so I wonder this season if actually Claudio Bravo could seriously push Edison. I don't know about that, but I'm just, I feel like a lot more confident in him than I used to be, especially after that League Cup win last year. It was kind of a bit of a turning point for him, he became a hero for the fans, and then he knows the fans have giving him support again so yeah whereas if he's Edison gets an injury um, it's not quite the fear yeah when his name's on TV I think we're finally seeing the keeper we thought we'd signed and maybe it has just taken him that long maybe the injury's given him kind of time out to to settle and really settle into the into the area but yeah I think he looked great yesterday I think his his play out from the back looked assured rather than nervous and, and he was making the right choices which many times he's not done and they were still, you know, running him, you know, closing the space down and stuff, weren't they? Remember his debut? Yeah, very much so, yeah. That time and he nearly gave a goal away, so, uh, yeah, you know, your heart's not in your mouth. It was, no. We had the same thing, though, with Willie Caballero at Wembley. Obviously, when he when he started, everybody was like, oh, what's he thinking? But obviously, he, he, he stayed loyal and he came good, didn't he? So it was exactly the same yesterday. So many, I've seen so many people slagging Bravo off and I just think it's, it's so unwarranted. Um, he did... An excellent job for us yesterday, but Edison is the one moving forward, definitely. Where does Phil Foden's season go from here? Because if everybody's going to be fit again, so you've got Kevin De Bruyne who missed chunks of last season fit, and obviously it's possible that players could get injured. We fingers crossed that they don't. We saw Sane go down at Wembley. We don't know how. I don't at this point anyway know how serious that is. But with Sterling, with Sane, with Riyad Mahrez, Kevin De Bruyne, the two Silvers, Gundogan, Foden's trying to break into that group. Um, 
it still feels as if it's going to be very tough for him, but, but you might have different views. I think it's going to be hard, I think, but you almost want it to be. If it was going to be easy, then I don't think he'd learn. But I think with it being David Silver's last season, I only think that you have to dovetail the two and give him more opportunity, maybe bring him on more, start him in a few more games and get him to learn the role off David Silver. So next season, when Silver isn't there, he's ready to kind of pick up. And do you feel confident from what you've seen of him so from far? what I've seen, yeah. I mean, at his age, coming on yesterday, hardly touching the ball and then putting the penalty away like he did. What we've seen, scoring the goal against the Spurs last season, the winning goal, he's got, he's clearly got it in his locker. Just needs to now be given the chance to show it a bit more. He's clearly got the confidence of Pep as well because, you know, he was starting him in some of the key games towards the end of the season, the running, you know, when we really needed him and stuff. And... Uh, I think that he will definitely get a, a lot more starts and he'll definitely get his chance because there will be injuries. And if we're going for four trophies, and especially Europe as well, I mean, he's, um, he's sober on the ball as well. He will be not a risk. You know, it's not as if he needs to think he's a risk. The, the way that Pep's talking about him, um, he, he, will get, he will get minutes. Yeah, he will play. Here's a slightly controversial question, but last, you know, a lot of people have said that City shouldn't bother with the League Cup because it's too many fixtures and obviously the quarter-final is usually at the beginning of December and then the two legs of the semi-final at the beginning of January, right in the thick of all those extra fixtures. Would you be happy? To, I mean, <clears throat> they're not, no team that Pep puts out is going to go out there to try to lose and he did pick teams that, whilst they were strong sides, weren't necessarily what would be regarded as the, the strongest eleven. Would you almost... As a fan, I'm asking you now as fans, right? Would you instinctively think to yourself, you know what, I'd rather go out with this, get, it, get out, get out no, early on? No way, no way. I'll just put that to you. Someone used to go down to Plymouth on a Wednesday night to watch City. You know, every game is important, isn't it? The same as this year, last year, the League Cup would have been the fourth priority. Yeah. Wouldn't it? And it, it will be this year again. But when they go out to play that game, they'll still go out to play to win, won't they? So yeah, per- perfect time to kind of use a squad that we're always told we've got the best squad in the league. Well, let's use them in the hour. And, and I get all that, right? And 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 so I'm not. I'm, and I'm not. I'm not attacking you, but I'm saying somewhere in your soul, just as a fan. And and if the answer's no, then the answer's no because Dante's winding me up now because he knows that. Talking away on a Wednesday night when they drew nil nil and it was an appalling game, I made massive sacrifices personally to make sure I was still there because it mattered to me. When City played Plymouth away on a Tuesday and it got washed out when we were at Taunton and I came back and then went again the following day for the uh, the, the match, so we ended up going to Ipswich, Plymouth, Taunton and Plymouth in a week. I didn't think it's only the League Cup. I'm not bothered. So he knows my answer. So that's why he's teasing me. But but there will be somewhere, maybe not in this room. Fans who think, yeah, get out of the league cup, but you're you're not buying to that. I I I buy I buy into the whole winning's a habit, and I think if yeah. you're gonna win, and you go out and you you try to win every game, and I don't think Pep would allow it. And I, for me, so not no. even secretly. No, I, I quite like the league cup anyway. It's I, I I quite like it as a competition. Yeah, it's not a priority. If that's all we won, I wouldn't be, you know... It's not Alex Ferguson, is he? You know, he's going to take all competitions that he plays in very seriously. And that is exactly why he's got the squad that he's got, because then he rotates and then he tinkers about and that's when the players get the extra game time. I mean, we're looking at Gundogan now, who's coming out and he's saying that he's going to sign his contract. But look at the players that we've got. You know, we just signed Rodri, so... He obviously feels comfortable in that rotation that we have. So, like Foden, he does as well. They're, they know that it's a team game and they're there as a squad to play the part as and when in all competitions. And that's when they do play the part because it's it's not about individuals. And you could talk about Sane and all the saga throughout the summer there. He might not have the right mentality. He might be too young and naive to understand the bigger picture. But we want the players there who do get it. And that's what we've got. Some of those big players might need game time at certain points of the season as well. You know, the Mendes, they come back and, uh, you know, Angelina, we brought him back. Obviously, went to PSV. But I remember him playing in some of these League Cup games and doing well. And remember Pep's first season, we won the first 10 games, then we played United away, and he played a weekend team, didn't he? We were surprised at the lineup, and we got beat. 
and uh, all of a sudden then it was a bit of like why are we throwing away the uh, chance for that and then they won the league cup and it's like well they've only won it because we've thrown that game and so Pep really is now well we want to win every single competition that we've gone into so you're damned if he does and you're damned if he doesn't I think you just have to sort of pick the most suitable squad for that game and trying to win every single game they can Is Champions League now City's number one priority? I don't know, is the honest answer. Um, is it yours? No, I, I, I always want to win the Premier League, like I said before. The but Premier League you've heard Liverpool fans, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, the champions of Europe with you know, proper champions. There's not a bit of you that, that thinks, I want to win this Champions League. Yeah, there's always going to be a bit. I'd love to win it just so when, <coughs> they, when they come about and you know, you've never won it, we can finally say, yeah, we have. But I think Premier League shows consistency, 38 games, and that's, that sh- that's the sh- true for the team but yeah of course want to win the champion yeah for the club and for Pep that will be what they want this season but not for Emily but not for me no <laughs> no but it, I'm, I'm just being honest I always am and, yeah. and, and the Premier League is where it's that I agree that it, it kind of made a mockery of the Champions League final and the fact that it's called the Champions League but then Spurs and Liverpool haven't won their league for how many years and it, it, it's not as many games, it's not as big as a test. And I just don't think, I mean, everybody looks at it as the be-all and end-all, but for me, the Premier League, it's a much tougher win. And it's the one they all want to win. They can say what they want, but that's the one they all want to win, and it's the one I want to win. Five words. Istanbul, Istanbul, we are coming. I want to win the Premier League. I do want to win the Premier League again. That is the, the bread and butter. We, I think we do need to win the Champions League at some point in the next, you know, as soon as possible under Pep hopefully I think the club needs it for the profile I think we, we, we all want to win the Premier League first but I think we actually we are judged now on the Champions League uh, so we do need to win it but we've been so unlucky with the Champions League with some of those decisions and the VAR and this sort of thing you know we've um, we've been unlucky we are I think Rodri and Cancelo those sort of great players you can keep possession and you know they've they played regularly the seven or eight games last season the Champions League as well you know good players um, every year I think we've got a better Champions League squad every year players who can hold up hold the ball in Europe and stuff as well don't tell me Sergio Aguero doesn't, doesn't deserve to win that Champions League he absolutely does of course he does and of course yeah. so does David Silva now when it comes to the title race is it a two horse race yeah no I'd say Spurs uh could feature because there's there's so I mean this year they they've they had run in Europe, um, they kind of prioritised the league didn't they it was weird didn't they they were they were up with us, but, but they were, whereas Liverpool kind of went out of the cups early we were still in all the cups, they lost a few games so they were still in there they were, they were kind of prioritising two cups weren't they Spurs two competitions yeah I, I think Spurs could be in a, in and around it as well. You not think that Pochettino um you know given what's happening at Real Madrid and now Zinedine Zidane's gone back in the but the volatile nature of that that we could see Pochettino leave halfway through this season and go to Real Madrid. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, well, Pochettino's kind of shown what he's about with his press conferences because he's very much the Jose Mourinho coming out and saying. A, I've got nothing to do with science, nothing to do, maybe this will change my title. And I think that could then explode at Spurs if they don't do well, if they start losing games, if they go out of competitions, that could go anywhere, I think that could be quite volatile. Well, we play them second game. And if we if we beat them up, I mean, hopefully we do win five or six, and I think anything like that, you could start to see cracks starting to appear. Um, and I, I don't worry, I think Spurs will be there for a while, but I just can't see them pushing at the end of the season. I still don't think they've signed enough I think um, Leicester could win the league. I think anyone can, you know what I mean? By I think Leicester could be a bit of a dark horse yeah. this year with under Brendan Rodgers. I think they could be very good again. I'm not sure, but I think even United might be a little bit more better balanced overall. I'm not saying they're the challenge, but I think you know there's you don't know where the defeat's gonna come from, you don't know who's gonna be the main challenges. You just you just don't know. You would think it's us Liverpool, maybe Spurs. I would say the same. I, I, I have said the same in, in like this week. Um us Liverpool Spurs, without a doubt. I can't see anybody else really pushing. So just just to wrap up this week's podcast, and uh, obviously, you know, if you're listening to this now, give us five stars on whatever platform you listen to, and and make sure you subscribe as well. Um, but it could be as tribal as you want in this answer. But are, are we are we ruling United out as serious title contenders? Are we ruling Chelsea out? Are we ruling Arsenal out? Yeah. 
I, th- I think you've got to say it's going to be between City, Liverpool and maybe Spurs. I don't think any of those teams have done enough to close the gap. I mean, obviously they've just spent 80, what, 85 million on Maguire and you can, you can say, you know, he's, a, he's, he's not great, but we were, we were in the mix for him. Not at that price. But not at that, not, yeah. not at the pri- not at that price, but we, we did want him, which says that, you know, He's got to be half decent, hasn't it? Yeah, and but I, we're also in for Fred and uh, Alexis Sanchez. Well, I don't mind. I'm Maguire. glad we didn't get him. No, <laughs> well, yeah. no I, looking back, I'm glad, but I, I don't mind him. I think for for what they need, he's a good signing. Um, that would be, but we, I don't we couldn't think... undermine Stones and Laporte, who we paid fifty odd for, and say this guy's the new oh, thing. No. For, you know, I mean, he's got to fit in with what we've got, and if he, he's only going to be a, a, a squad rotation player for us, it's yeah. going to be first pick for them. But we do. I do think not signing a central defender could be a bit of a miss for us but I don't think Maguire's signing will be enough for United I don't think it will close the gap enough and I don't think Arsenal or Chelsea have done anything near enough to close the gap I still think it'll be us three well maybe us two out at front with Spurs joining in with the maybe mix. Wolves Everton uh, a surprise package well thanks very much for, for being guests on today's podcast we'll be recording the next one next uh, Sunday night because uh, obviously we play West Ham on Saturday, the early kickoff, um, and there will be a match day vlog as well. So thanks very much to everybody who sa- says nice things, the ones who say horrible things, and there's not many of them. Well, don't really care, but those who say nice things, we appreciate that. Thanks very much to uh, Charles, Louis, Homes and Mortgages, who are the sponsors of the podcast for the entire season. So uh, thanks for that for them. Have a look at the website. And, uh, and I'll tell you more about them as time goes along during the course of the season. But for now, thanks very much, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.